Amen. Thank you all so much for welcoming me. It's a privilege to be here. Thanks to the choir. Boy, I felt like I was at church uh, after that choir sang. And then the worship team led us in a, in a great way. And uh, God is obviously blessing in this ministry here, in this church family. And uh, also just want to say thanks to Dr. David Wheeler for allowing me to fill in for him. I am no substitute for Dr. David Wheeler. He is a gifted man of, of God, and uh, you are privileged you are blessed uh, to be able to have him uh, leading you as your interim pastor. And, uh, but I do appreciate the opportunity to come and to, to share a little bit with you. Um, mentioned in the bio there that, uh, uh, that I was one time a lawyer uh, before I became a pastor and switched sides in the battle between good and evil. I've heard all the lawyer jokes, so try one on me, I probably, uh, probably heard it. But uh, before I became the senior pastor over at Shenandoah Baptist, I was also there uh, for a number of years as the missions pastor. And uh, it was while I was missions pastor, had the great opportunity to work with a lot of servants from all over the world, many from our own church going out into some of the hardest, most difficult places in the world. And it was a great privilege to be able to serve with those kind of people, and it was one of those days uh, during that time when I was serving as a missions pastor that uh, I uh, had the opportunity, I was sitting there on a Saturday afternoon, and uh, what a guy's doing on Saturday afternoon, okay, after the lawn's been mowed and all the other stuff's been doing, I was sitting there in my recliner, okay, the remote in one hand, a glass of iced tea in the other hand, and, and life was really good, and, and uh, in between napping in the recliner, I was also doing what guys do. What's that, ladies? We flip the channels, okay? And so I was kind of surfing channels, going back and forth uh, between football games and, and different stuff. But as I was surfing the channels, all of a sudden, something caught my attention, and I stopped. And there on the screen were emblazoned these words, crisis in Africa, answer the call. Crisis in Africa, answer the call. It was a missions organization that was promoting and trying to raise funds to support a ministry there. But crisis in Africa, answer the call. And I am not kidding you. As I laid my eyes on that, as I stopped, my phone rang. Now I have to tell you, there was a big temptation not to answer. I was a pastor, and I know you think that every pastor always welcomes every call, no matter what time of the day it is, but we're human too, okay? And at a particular time, it had been a very full, busy week. A lot of things have been going on, and I thought, okay, here's another problem. I don't think I'm going to answer the phone. But something told me, maybe it was because I saw up there on the screen, I answered the call, and I picked up the phone, and there on the other end was a young missionary in Africa calling to tell me that his wife was deathly ill. They were a 15-hour drive from the nearest medical care. That was through the Sahara Desert, by the way. And they needed help. There was a crisis in Africa. I am so glad that I answered the call. I want to suggest to you today that there is also a crisis 
all around that you and I are facing. Not just the crisis that we watch on TV in Nice and in Syria and the Middle East, but there is a crisis in Franklin County and in Rocky Mount and the Smith Mountain Lake community. There is a crisis not just with radical Islam, but with comfortable Christianity. There's a crisis not just with ISIS fighters across the ocean, but with pew-sitting church members right here. There's a crisis not just in politics. There's a crisis in the church. And the reason that there is a crisis in the church is because there are pastors and church members who've been too busy. We, we have been too busy flipping channels, fiddling with our smartphones, fooling with our social media. We've been too busy building our business or climbing the corporate ladder, playing our games or working on our farms. We've been too busy doing all the things that we've decided we think are important and that we want to do. We've been too busy doing those things instead of answering the call. This morning I want to look at Jesus' call to the pastors but also to the church members. And before we go any further, we need to stop. We need to answer two questions. Two questions. First question that I want you to answer is, are you going to believe Jesus this morning? And if you are going to choose to believe Jesus The second question you have to answer is simply this. Are you going to obey Jesus? So I'm a really nice guy, even though I was a lawyer one time. And I am going to give you all an opportunity not to fall prey to sneaky lawyer trick number 32. Okay? And so I'm going to give you the opportunity, and I'm going to ask you all to bow your head and close your eyes. And we're going to have a chance for you to commit your life To answer these questions before we even go any further. Some of you may have already decided, I am not going to believe Jesus. Or if I do, I'm still not going to obey him. I'd suggest to you, before we go any further, when heads are bowed and eyes are closed, you might want to leave. The reason you might want to leave is you're going to be really frustrated. You're going to be really discontent. You're going to really maybe even be upset by the time this message is over. But for those of you who are willing to at least talk to the Lord about it, let's just all bow our head and close our eyes right now. And I want you to talk to the Lord. And if you're really meaning this, to say something like this. Lord Jesus, I know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And whatever you tell me today, I'm going to believe. And now, I want to give you another opportunity to make make a commitment. Lord, whatever you tell me I need to do today, I'm going to obey. I'm going to answer your call. And Jesus, we thank you that you love us. 
that you want the best for us. So this morning we commit to believing. We commit to obeying. We open our minds and our hearts to hear your call on our lives. We thank you now. Amen. If you would take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. To fully understand the context of that one little verse we're going to study this morning, verse 24, uh, we, we, you need to understand the context of all of chapter 16. Jesus had been experiencing a lot of success in his ministry. In fact, he had healed the multitudes. He had fed 4,000. But he decided to pull all of his disciples away and bring them together in a little small group. And there Jesus began to do a little public opinion poll. Jesus looked at his disciples and said, Who do people say that I am? The disciples said, Well, some of them think you're Elijah. Others think you might be Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. And Jesus wasn't really interested in kind of a political public opinion poll. He was really wanting to find out who his disciples thought he was. And so he looked at them and said, But who do you say I am? The disciples no doubt probably looked around at each other. Peter, always the first one to speak, he piped up and he nailed it. He said, Jesus, you are the Christ. You are the Son of the living God. And Jesus then went on to say, yes, Peter, you're right. And on the basis of what you have just proclaimed, one of the most powerful proclamations in all the Scripture, he said, on the basis of this, Peter, I will build my church, that's those people who have answered his call, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not be able to stop it. Peter was pumped up. He was excited. All the disciples were too. You realize what Jesus just said? They were the church. They were the ones who were called out and Jesus just told them, hey guys, guess what? No matter what may come against you, you're going, to be overpower, you're going to be able to overpower it because you have my power in you. And I think Peter and the disciples must have set up really straight. They must have been really excited. But then Jesus paused and he did a pivot. To those who thought Jesus had just proclaimed, hey guys, it's all going to be easy from here on out, Jesus went on to say, but hold on. I am going to have to go to Jerusalem I'm going to suffer, I'm going to be beaten, and I am going to be killed. Boy, you talk about bursting a balloon right there. They had just been told what they thought was to be, this is going to be an easy ride here on out, and now you're telling me that you're going to be beaten, you're going to suffer, and you're going to be killed? And so Peter and the disciples went from celebrating to slumping, and here's why. It's because Jesus' call on their lives was radical. Because Jesus' plan for living is dying. Jesus' plan for you and I to have life is first for us to die. Look at verse 24. Jesus then said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, if anyone desires to follow me, he's saying. If anyone would truly answer the call, 
Let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. As Jesus unveiled this plan, it was not very well received. The crowds misunderstood it. The Pharisees scorned it. His friends totally missed it. His followers avoided it. And Peter flat out denied it because it was so radically counterculture. It was so contrary to conventional wisdom. It cut against the grain. No one had ever spoken like that before. No one had ever lived like that before. And no one would ever die like that. So when Jesus back in verse 18 said, I will build my church and the gates of hell won't be able to stop it, the disciples undoubtedly hoped that maybe the plan had changed. I'd like to suggest to you this morning that you and I, most of the time, no strike that, you and I, just about all of the time, are like those disciples. We hear the call to deny ourselves, to take up the cross and follow him, but we really hope that that plan can be changed. It can be altered, it can be amended, it can be a little bit different. Don't get me wrong. We say we love Jesus. We just don't like his plan. We're thankful for Jesus dying on the cross and saving us from sin, death, and hell. We love and appreciate the fact of the gift of the Holy Spirit who wouldn't want love and joy and peace. But when it really comes down to following Jesus and believing that, we shrink back. We say, hold on a second, that's just a little bit too radical. That's just a little bit too hard. I could never do that. When what we really mean is, I won't do that. So when it comes to answering the call to Jesus, every one of us seated in this church this morning are in one of three categories. Some of you this morning, and those are the ones I want to meet, I want to talk to, the ones I want to find out how you do it. Those who have answered the call, and you're acting upon it. You have picked up the phone, you have listened to what Jesus had to say, and you are following through. Some of those, are you, you're the ones who are bringing the kids to VBS this evening. You were out there working at the uh, block party yesterday. You're going to bring them all week. Those of you who... Uh, who have, choose, have chosen to follow Jesus, and I thank, we're thankful for you. But there are others of us, and I included myself in this, sex, in this next group, those we've answered the call and we're kind of hedging. Uh, we're negotiating. Oh, Jesus, you, you, you didn't really mean that. You know those red words in the Bible? You, you didn't really mean if someone slaps you in the face, you're turning the other cheek. You didn't really mean... That I'm to go out and make disciples, that's Dr. Wheeler's job. You didn't really mean, we, we get in there, we negotiate. Yeah, we've answered the call, but we're negotiating. And then I would say there may be some people here this morning, and there are in the average church that the phone's still ringing. It's, it's right there in your hand. You've heard the call of Jesus, but you've not yet picked it up and listened and agreed. To start following him. Well, this morning I want us to share with all of us, whether you're in category one, two, or three, three steps to answering the call of Jesus. And step number one, and I'm a very simple guy, so excuse me if this is just too simple for you, but step number one is simply this 
To answer the call to Jesus, it starts out, you have to deny yourself. Jesus said, if anyone wants to come after me, let him deny himself. Now, I would have thought that Jesus said, if anyone wants to come after me, then he needs to do A, B, C, D, and so on. But that's not what he said. Jesus started off with, we need to deny ourselves. Why do you think he did that? I, I know why he did it, especially in my case. The reason Jesus had to tell Robert Mullen, you need to deny yourself, is simply because I want what I want. Hey, let's be honest here. Anybody in here doesn't want what they want? No, we all want what we want. That's the way we were built. That's the way we were designed. That's the way. But the problem is, what we want is not what's best for us. And if you have any doubt about that, think about your, your children. What do they want for dinner? They want candy. That's not what's best for them. Where do they want to play? You build a playground, you put all these beautiful things, and you even put a fence around it, and there's a gate, and where do they want to play? Out in the street, okay? What Jesus understood is we want what we want, but what we want is not what's best for us. So Jesus says, deny your way and agree to go my way. Lest you think Jesus asked us to do something that he wasn't also willing to do, Jesus denied himself. He denied himself the privilege of heaven and he came to this poor earth. Jesus denied himself the comfort of life. Do you think he really wanted to be whipped, beaten, nailed to a cross, a spear through his side? But he said, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. This was Peter's problem. Jesus said, look, the son of man, that's me. I'm going to be taken to the Jerusalem and I'm going to be whipped. I'm going to be beaten. I'm going to be suffered. I'm going to die. And Peter violently reacted, no, Lord, this shall not happen. Why? Peter didn't want to die. Have you ever thought about why Jesus reacted so violently? You remember what he said to Peter when, when Peter said that? <clears throat> remember those words? Remember what he called him? He says, get Behind me, Satan. What would have possessed Jesus to speak so violently, so vehemently, so directly? You know what? Jesus knew there was a temptation for him not to deny himself. Most of us live only what could be described as casual Christianity. But I need to share with you this morning, there is no such thing as a casual Christian. Whatever you may want to call it, religion, church, tradition, it's not Christian. To be Christian is to be of Christ. And to be of Christ is to deny yourself. The very essence of being of Christ, the way we come to Christ, is through repentance. It's turning from your way and my way and agreeing to go Jesus' way. So here's the question this morning. I don't know any of you. I don't think I've met any of you before, so don't take any of this personally, okay? But I just want to simply ask you, in the honesty of your heart before the Lord, right now, think about last night. 
Think about this previous week. Think about the general direction and, 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 and the past in your life. Are you going your way or Jesus' way? Your plans for tomorrow. Your plans or Jesus' plans? Let, let's test that. That was sneaky lawyer trick number 34, okay? Let's test that just very simply, not from something that Robert has to say, but from what Jesus had to say. You know those red words in the Bible? I mean, they're all important, but when you're reading there, when you go to those red ones, you, you tend to pull it. Well, those are Jesus' words, and and Jesus said in order to answer his call to follow him, you have to be willing to deny your right to revenge. He said, whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other to him. How about this? In order to answer Jesus' call, you need to deny your right to defend yourself. Love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. You have to deny your right to luxury. Don't lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust are store and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. You have to be willing to deny your right to your own authority. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And ultimately, you have to deny your right to your plan. I want to remind you that Jesus did not say go and make money. He did not say go and make friends. He did not say go and make your life comfortable. Jesus said go and make disciples. And I, I tell you what, I love to hear the excitement of Vacation Bible School. Some of you, you're not doing that. So let me just be your friend and be real practical in how you can follow Jesus today. Go home, go next door to your neighbor kids and say, you're coming with me to VBS tomorrow, uh, tonight. Now you may want to ask their parents first, okay, all right? Tomorrow, some of you, you aren't planning to come. I tell you what, if I didn't have plans to be at a birthday party, I think I might drive back to be part of VBS tonight because it sounds like it's going to be a great time. Get involved in making disciples. You say, Robert, I want to give up my way. I want to go God's way, but it's so hard. I, I, I know when that person speaks unkindly to me, I want to say something nice back, but my flesh just rears up. I want to get up and go to VBS, but I'm afraid that there's going to, I'm going to fall into a deep sleep this afternoon, and I, and I want to get up and do it. How do you do that? It's more than just denying yourself. That next step is simply you're going to have to die to yourself. If anyone will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross. Now, the cross is not a pretty picture. It's blood. It means gore. It means agony. It means pain. It means suffering. It means death. And we come to a cross that's not about feeling better by self-therapy. It's not about doing better through self-discipline. The cross is about being made better by our own self-death. Now, some of you say, how do I do that? That sounds like churchy stuff. That sounds like religious mumbo-jumbo. Uh, and, and, and typically at this point in the sermon, when we talk about dying to self, I would roll out some illustrations like Stephen, the martyr. You know, 
He, he was stoned to death for preaching the gospel. Or may, maybe all the disciples, 10 of those 11, uh, all died martyrs' death. Or a little current, maybe you could talk about Jim Elliott, the missionary martyr to the Aka Indians. Or we could even talk about some of those today, the Coptic Christians in Egypt, who refused to deny Christ and were beheaded by ISIS. And all those illustrations, while sometimes inspiring and profound, <clears throat> can be relatively unhelpful in our context. And here's why. Because dying to self is not about what you do. It's about who you believe. It's not about what you do. It's about who you believe. If, if you can maybe get this visual picture, okay? <clears throat> on the one shoulder, you've seen this in the cartoons. On the one shoulder is yourself, okay, inspired by Satan. All right, Satan's using yourself to tell you this is the way to go. This is the thing to do. When somebody, when somebody insults you, he says, you insult them right back. On the other shoulder is the Holy Spirit inspired by Jesus, okay, saying when someone insults you, do something nice in return. On the one shoulder is, is yourself saying, you know what, you worked hard this week. It was a tough week, and you got a tough week ahead. You don't need to go back to that vacation Bible school tonight. On the other shoulder is, is Jesus through the Holy Spirit saying, Go and make disciples. Here's the question. Which one do you believe? Who are you going to trust? The Apostle Paul put it this way. He said, I've been crucified with Christ... It's no longer I who live. Okay, I've denied self. I've died to self. But Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live, why, by trying really hard? No. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You know what that means? It's I listen to and I trust the voice of Jesus more than the voice of myself. You see, when we talk about dying to self, sometimes we get this real romanticized view of, of what Jesus is saying. And the real question for you today is not, will you physically die, your die for your faith uh, by the hand of Muslim terrorists on the mission field? The challenge for you and me today is will you spiritually die by your own hand right here at Rocky Mount Baptist Church. Will you die to self? Will you believe Jesus? Will you nail to the cross anything in your life that smacks of self-will and self-way and self-desire and self-time? Trusting in Jesus that His way is best. Now, I know, again, that can sound kind of like religious mumbo-jumbo. So how do I know... <clears throat> If I've denied self, and how do I know if I've died to self? We can say it. A lot of times we'll sing it. But how do we know if it's really true? It's very easy. If you have denied yourself, if you have died to self, deny, die, then you will comply. You will do what Jesus asked you to do. Let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me.
The question today is not, will you physically die for Jesus? That's unlikely to happen in Rocky Mount or Franklin County or Lynchburg or Roanoke. The real question for you today is not, will you die for Jesus, but will you live for him? You see, following Jesus and living for Jesus means doing what he said. As a pastor, and even as dean of students, one of the things I really enjoyed is premarital counseling. The reason I love premarital counseling is because both parties are so naive, okay? They've not seen how hard it really is, okay? So when you sit in there and you begin talking to them, they're just eyes wide open. They're just, and anything you say, they'll accept, and they're looking at each other, holding hands, and looking into one another's eyes, and everything's so wonderful. So I love that, and I, I've got a sneaky lawyer trick in premarital counseling too, okay? And it goes like this. They're sitting there looking at each other, and I'll say, Tim, do you love Ashley? Oh, yes, I love Ashley. Tim, do you love Ashley like Christ loved the church? You know, we're commanded to do that. Oh, yes, Pastor, I love Ashley like Christ loved the church. Tim, I'm going to ask you an even tougher question. If while we're sitting here, someone were to burst into this room with a gun and pointed it at Ashley, would you jump in front of that gun and that bullet would you take a bullet for Ashley, and would you die for Ashley? Now he's stuck. Okay, what's he going to say? Oh, no, I don't think I would. He, every time they say, absolutely, I would die for Ashley. I said, Tim, I've got some good news. The good news is there's about a 99.999999% chance that no one's going to burst through that door and point a gun and the good news is, you're not going to have to die for Ashley. But Tim, I have one more question. You said you were willing to die for Ashley. Tim, would you be willing to live for Ashley? Tim, would you be willing to give up every Saturday and instead of going fishing, go shopping? They've never said it, but I know in their mind they think, shoot me. Go ahead, shoot me. <laughs> Tim, would you be willing to let her totally control the thermostat in the house? Tim, would you be willing to always pick up your dirty socks and put them in the hamper? Tim, would you be willing, and you get the idea, you fill in the blank. You see, we say, he says, yeah, I'm willing to die for her, but I, but I don't want to live for her. You know what, I have no doubt, and we're not going to do this poll here. I'm not going to set you up. I'm not going to try to trick you. But if someone were to come through those doors right back there, and they were to begin to walk up and down these aisles, and they would point their gun at you and said, deny Jesus or die, most of you at least would say, okay, we have to, almost have to, we'd say, well, yeah. Yeah, if it comes down to that, I'll die for Jesus. I've got good news. 99.99998% in today's world, okay? Chance that no one is going to point a gun at you and ask you to die for Jesus. But this morning, Jesus is calling every one of us not to die for him, but to live for him. 
So that when someone insults you at work tomorrow, and the voice over here says, let them have it. You're going to listen to the voice over here and say, God bless you. I love you because Jesus loved me. This afternoon, and I'm not trying to guilt trip you, maybe. This afternoon, 6.30 tonight, someone? About 5.30 tonight, some of you are going to be saying, man, it's hot. Man, there are a lot of things I've got to do this week. Man, my yard still needs to, whatever it is. Instead of listening to yourself, will you get up and go get that neighbor kid and we bring him here so they can hear about Jesus? Go and make disciples. You see, <clears throat> Peter didn't want to die. And so he said, Lord, this will never be so. Later, Peter even denied Jesus. But there came a point in Peter's life when he repented of wanting to go his own way and he agreed that he would trust Jesus' way. And that's when he wrote these words. For to this, Peter said, you were called. Because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow his steps. Peter repented and he trusted in Jesus. Now, there's a tendency in our lives to reverse this thing. You say, okay, I know those red words, we read some of them, and, and you go back to the Sermon on the Mount and just go to the whole scriptures, okay? Those red words, I just need to try really hard. I just need to do better. I'm going to discipline myself. I'm going to, I'm going to tell somebody to, to call me at, at 6 o'clock today and make sure I'm coming to VBS. I'm going to have, you know, I'm going to write on my hand uh, these five fingers. Don't punch that person that insults me. I'm, I'm going to, through self-discipline, I'm going to try to obey Jesus. But that's not the way it works. It's because our, our, our wills are only so strong. In order to truly follow through, follow Jesus and answer the call, it has to start with our denial of self. To say, I've been going the wrong way. And I don't want to go that way anymore. And then to trust in Jesus and agree with Jesus, I want to go his way. And after we deny, after we die, then the comply becomes easy. So here's the challenge. Let's evaluate ourselves as we close. Have you answered the call of Jesus? Every one of us is in one of three groups. For some of you, quite frankly, the phone's still ringing. And I say that very kindly, but you've never picked it up. You've never answered the call to turn from your sin and to put your faith and trust in the risen, resurrected Savior who will give you life and give you life abundantly. In just a moment, we're going to sing a song. It's called Come to the Altar. What better time than to get up and come here and there will be people that can open the Bible and show you how you can turn from your way Trust Jesus' way and become a born-again child of God. The phone's still ringing. Today's the time to answer. Others, the phone's been answered, but you're still negotiating. Negotiating with God. Let me just say this. Sitting on the fence never works. 
It never works. If you want to have a life that's full and abundant, I'm going to put it this way. If you want to have a life that's really fun, okay, stay in the first category. Don't answer the call, okay? You can do anything you want to do, and it will be fun for a season, all right? If you want to have a life that's frustrating, that's unfulfilled and discontent, get right here. Start negotiating with Jesus. He will not let you be, have peace. He will not let you have joy. So many of us are in this category. We're, we're negotiating. Here's the challenge this morning to you. Get off the fence. Abandon it all. Deny, die, and comply with Jesus. Here's the third, and this is where we all are striving to be. None of us will ever fully get there. Some of us need to be answering and acting. And here's why. Verse 25 is the outcome. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. You're in those first two categories. You're not going to have life. Or if you have it, it's not going to be full. It's not going to be abundant. It's going to be frustrating. So whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. See, the call of Jesus to deny, die, and comply is often misunderstood as hard, demanding, unrewarding, and even radical. But actually, if you give up your way, if you believe Jesus' way, that's when it becomes fun and fulfilling and rewarding. And so here, Jesus is demanding that we get off the fence and we get on the cross. Not because he wants to make life miserable, because he wants to make it abundantly full. And here is the truth of the matter. If, if you are not denying self, you are denying Jesus. If you aren't dying to self, then you are dying or defeated in your sin. And if you aren't following Jesus, then be very clear. Just like Peter you are following Satan and his ways. And that, my friends, is the crisis in Rocky Mount and in Roberts and all of us who would say we follow Jesus, but we will not deny self. We will not deny self. We can't possibly follow him. Here's the question in closing. Whose call are you answering? Self or the Spirit? Satan or Jesus? It's time to answer the call. Come to Jesus. Turn from your way and trust his way. And he'll fill your life and make it abundant and full.